following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome, one and all, episode 774 of I Doubted Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly Brittany Page, everybody. Well, we, part of the reason that we came to D.C. was to make connections and look at us succeeding in that goal Did, yesterday. Yesterday. What happened? What happened yesterday? Well, <laughs> I don't remember making s- connections. We saw three notable people from afar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I connected. Yep. Um, I made a very important connection with Greta Van Susteren <laughs> while driving across the Memorial Bridge into Washington, D.C. from Arlington. Um, and she was next to me, uh, next to us, yeah, in her Tesla mm-hmm. with her mask on. Well, below her, yeah, she was driving around with a mask on like she was an Uber driver. Yeah, you made the comment that was funny, and I just stole. And uh, but she was talking on the phone and having the greatest time. It appeared. Yes, very and nice then, conversation. And then the other connection that Brittany made <laughs> was. Not even two miles later, Mm -hmm. we're driving past the National Mall Mm -hmm. in between the Washington Monument and the United States Capitol building. Mm -hmm. And who does Brittany see on a couple of like lime scooters, Uh but Will Arnett and Jason Bateman, who host a fantastic podcast. Which we binge listened to. On the way here. The entire way here. It's called Smartless, yeah. And they were in town for a live recording of that podcast. Yeah, that we didn't get tickets to. Yeah. So, very exciting to see all of your favorite people (laughs) in person. You know, I just, I was Googling Greta Van Susteren. Did you know she's a Scientologist? Yes. She's a a nutsack. I did not know that she and her... Current husband, former husband, uh, are Scientologists. Also, she is um, Trump adjacent. She's like a an apologist for. She's kind of a both sideser, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like giving, calling out Democrats and then ignoring things. She's just, she's the worst. She's the worst. She's she's not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if she's the worst, she's clearly not great. I mean, I would assume so. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that we have been wanting to talk about that we have been forgetting is that before we left California, we checked the P.O. box and we had two hats in the P.O. box two hand knit like uh, snow caps. Like uh, what are they called? Well, I was like wool. Wool, wool hats. Wool hats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you, like beanies. Oh, beanies. Yeah, beanies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was stressed out because I was trying to think of something, and then I it, nailed it. I didn't think of it, and you started talking, and things got worse. So, yeah, so a listener, yeah, 
hand knit a couple of beanies for us and some some fingerless gloves. Rochelle. Rochelle. Mm-hmm. And we we haven't mentioned it because we packed the note away. Yes. And I didn't want to talk about it until we had the name and the note to read. Yes. Because let me tell you, before we read the note, I've been wearing the shit out of these. These came in exceedingly helpful. Yes. Very useful gift that ended up being something uh, I'm very thankful for. Yeah. So thank you to Rochelle. Also gave us a very nice handwritten note with the hats. So we very much appreciate that. It was a very kind gesture, very thoughtful. I mean, in in the note here, Rochelle talks about how we're moving to D.C. Yeah, and yeah. that we're going to need some warm hats. So, Well, they came in. We got here on the first. And on the second or the third, it it dumped like half a foot or nine inches of snow on us. Perfect timing. And it was great. Yeah. It worked out so, so great. I mean, yeah. I had to go to the store to buy an actual coat. Mm-hmm. That's the situation we were in. Yeah. And it, uh, it made it so I didn't have to buy a hat. Yeah. So thank you to <laughs> Rochelle in New Mexico. Very and much appreciate that. Fantastic. All right. Well, before we move on, we have a sponsor for this month that we want to talk about. One clear advantage of D.C. over Southern California is walkability. Though our cross-country move through a wrench in our daily routines, at least now we can simply open the door and go get some exercise. (laughs) Imagine walking to the grocery store in Orange County. Uh, no. (laughs) Exercise has been a primary focus of mine over the last six months since I started using Noom. Noom is not a diet. It is not simply a weight loss tool. It is a program that uses psychology and social science to change your behavior. We are so excited to have Noom sponsoring the podcast this month as it has helped me lose weight, exercise smarter, and feel better. Go to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30-second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to get your health headed in the right direction. Noom's super detailed exercise and food trackers give me a clearer understanding of how my effort is stacking up and where my calories are being spent. Wait until you see their food budget. You can even track your daily water intake and gain insights into your sleep habits. And you can do all of this in less than 10 minutes per day, thanks to Noom's use of cognitive behavioral therapy dispensed in intuitive and insightful lessons. Cognitive behavioral therapy is an evidence-based practice that helps people gain a clearer understanding of their negative thinking patterns and triggers so they can better change their behavior. This is how Noom goes beyond just a diet. Get your 2022 on track. Head to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30 second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to chart your path towards better health. And we want to thank Noom for uh, being very gracious and uh, sponsoring the show this month. Absolutely. So let's do get to some listener communication before we move on. Uh, last, (laughs) Last episode, we talked about the fact that Brittany and I used something from Amazon called baby feet baby feet <laughs> and it um eviscerated the hard callousy flesh i don't know that sounds really gross uh-huh anyway we got a call about it a listener has also a fan of the baby feet hi 
Uh, my name is Chelsea, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, you asked for people who have done baby feet before to call in. Uh, my husband and I, we do it regularly, um, and it's the best thing. And our favorite part is actually seeing who can peel off the biggest piece at once. <laughs> and it's actually, like, really fun. Like, the peeling is our favorite part. Um, but I think I left a review when I bought it the first time. It is one of my favorite Amazon products ever. Um, but anyways, uh, love the show. Brittany's the best part, obviously. No hate to Jesse though. Okay. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. We missed a competition. We do love a good competition. Yeah, we could have had a competition. It reminds me of when we were kids, and this is horrible, and I'm, you know, putting myself at risk of, of skin cancer, but not oh. we wouldn't go to get a sunburn to do this, but anytime we'd get a bad sunburn, mm. we would really try to get the largest sheath, oh my sheath God. of skin, um... Like a like out of Silence of the Lambs or something. Like we're making oh, lampshades out of it. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. But you're, you're, you're stupid kids. So. Yeah, well, I do actually remember a time when I, I first moved to California and someone gave me suntan oil oh, yeah. instead of sunscreen. And I have never been so burned in my life. I peeled for... It was for sure over a week. My back was peeling. And it was similar to baby feet in that every time I would stand up, skin would just fall out of my shirt. Yeah, yeah. It was disgusting. How did you not know that it wasn't sunscreen? I mean, well, it, doesn't it like smell like like Hawaiian Tropic has a certain kind of a, a flavor to it? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I may have done it intentionally. I don't know. I don't remember anymore. It could just be the dumbness, I think, is the main problem. You were like 19. And- I didn't know what I was doing or what was going on. And maybe I thought, oh, you know, I'm in California now. The sun is different here. Maybe I can, maybe this is the place where I'll be able to get a tan. And not burn like you traditionally right. to a crisp. Yeah. I mean, and- you may as well just got a jug of olive oil and, and slathered yourself up because you're you're frying yourself. Yeah, and as everyone who has seen me knows, I'm very pale, very fair skin. My nickname used to be Casper. People in school used to call me Casper, among many other things. <laughs> and uh, I have now learned my lesson, and I'm one of those very obnoxious people that will ask you if you would like some sunscreen when you are out in the sun. Well, at least you learned the, uh, the error of your ways. Yes. Because it only happened once. Yeah, I mean, I've had probably five good burns in my life. And I think that's, they say that that's all it takes, at least on WebMD. <laughs> well, I'm, I remember being a kid, we we were in Michigan for a summer, mm-hmm. or for a few weeks in a summer, mm-hmm. and got so sunburned, I was puking. Like, I was sick because of mm, it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Not, not good. Yeah, definitely not. Derelict parents is what it is. Mm-hmm. Letting me be out there by the pool, just un- Unsunscreened. I mean, that's what are you doing? It, it wasn't like it wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. Well, I used to also. <laughs> well, if we're gonna keep doing this, when I was a teenager, 
when I was a teenager, I had some back knee issues, which some, I wait, what? some what acne on the back issues, back knee, back knee issues, <laughs> which I didn't understand was because I had long hair and would put conditioner in my hair and then just let it soak on my back. Oh yeah. <laughs> like eventually I put that together, right? You got to wash the conditioner off your back. <laughs> Uh, but uh, in the meantime, before I got that figured out, I sometimes would, correlation is causation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I <laughs> I would do yard work in like a uh, a low tank top so that my back was visible. Mm-hmm. And I remember my sister came out one time and she's like, "Why are you?" What, what are you wearing? What are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm trying to burn my back knee off. And uh, it worked. It definitely worked. But I got a terrible sunburn in the process. Yikes. Yeah. Don't recommend it. Just wash your back. Intemperate youth. Yeah. Intemperate youth. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for the call, Chelsea. We appreciate the endorsement <laughs> of baby feet. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. Hi, gang. It's Uncle Blasto. I hope Brittany's back's feeling better. Not the back. I'm confused <laughs> because I thought the uh, the insurrectionists that attacked the Capitol building were Antifa slash Black Lives Matter slash FBI, and Trump's going to pardon them. That seems weird. Anyway, love you guys. Have a good day. Love the broadcast. Over now. It is. It's a very frustrating thing for me that certain things are just so obvious. Like Donald Trump is no patriot. He is a charlatan. He's a grifter. It's so obvious, but it doesn't matter because they they want to believe so badly that he's not that in the face of overwhelming evidence, they'll believe the lie. Mm-hmm. Same with this. Like they'll still hold on to this Antifa thing while learning that they're, I mean... It's their people. They're waving the flags that we've we've uh, we've seen all of the indictments, all of the charges that have come down, and we know what their social media presence was like. These aren't like Antifa who are doing a long con. Mm-hmm. It's none of it makes any sense, and it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense because they'll believe no matter what, mm-hmm. whatever lie is fed them. Yeah, and you see this on. Like those TikToks, I think it's the good liars. Are they the ones that interview people yeah, at rallies? Very funny, too. Like yeah. it's, it's almost as good as like Jordan Klepper on, on yeah. um, The Daily Show. And then I was going to mention him as well. Those are situations where you see in real time that people are unable to articulate why it is they believe what they believe. And they just go back to, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what I believe. Yeah, you back him into that corner. Mm-hmm. I, I, the good liar, the 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 most recent one I watched from them, you showed me, and it was them at like a anti-abortion rally mm-hmm. where they were promoting adoption. Right. And he went to like five or six different ladies in this one group, and he was, well, how many kids have you adopted? Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't. I have my own kids. Oh, how about you? How many have you adopted? How right. many have you adopted? How None of them. Yeah. And they all just... They got it. They were getting it that, yeah. that they're part of the problem. If, if adoption is truly the way, then go fucking adopt some kids. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. Well, and that's something that I would like to have added to that video is like once they started chuckling because they were uncomfortable yeah. after being called out, 
I, I would just be interested to know why it is they're having that reaction. Like if he were to highlight that and say, I'm just wondering, like, why are you laughing right now? Yeah. You know, and and see how they are making sense of that. Like what what are they telling themselves in order to not feel bad, basically? I don't think they do. I think the, the well, end. Well, I mean, forcing them to kind of oh, yeah, grapple yeah, yeah. with that on camera. For sure. I mean, the end, for them, the end justifies the means. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. No, I mean, forcing them to grapple with, like, not yeah. just letting them be able to laugh it off and have it end there. Like, wh- what's, what's prompting the laughter? Are you feeling uncomfortable? What's, what, what has you feeling uncomfortable? That would be good. You know? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Are you hearing that? Good liars. Does somebody know the good liars? Doing some therapeutic wonderment is what I'm saying. Therapeutic wonderment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. We want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email an old-fashioned voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Moving on. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Kara, Kara, Sass Lady, Sass Lady, Douglas PJ, Douglas PJ. Miss Jessie GT. Miss Jessie GT. Kimba A. Kimba A. Jim M. Jim M. Thomas M. Thomas M. DeForest C. DeForest C. Chris O. Chris O. And then we would like to thank our very generous Patreon supporters who have doubled their pledge. And that would include Henry J. Henry J. And Brian H. And Brian H. Fantastic. So we're seeing some Patreon supporters that are opting for the annual pledge, which is great because we know we've been getting messages over the years for people that actually preferred that over the monthly charge. So we're happy to hear that that is something you guys are uh, taking part in and preferring. If you don't prefer the annual don't worry, you can stay monthly. If you're currently a Patreon supporter, nothing changes for you. It's just that we have turned on that option for those who want to do an annual support rather than month to month. Just know that Patreon does do a 10% off of an annual membership. So if you do opt for the annual Patreon support, you will get 10% off of that price. We do want to add that we're still getting messages from people who did not receive their magnet. And we very much appreciate that you guys are continuing to reach out. Some people will say, I know this is a minor thing. I hate to bother you. You're not bothering us. We want you to get what you're supposed to get. And you're, you're supposed to get a magnet. Yeah. We made the magnets for you. Yeah. I mean, our new fridge isn't even magnetic anymore, so we can't even have it on it. <laughs> yeah, which is sad, but you can. So send us a message if you did not get your magnet with your address, please, and we will make sure to get that out to you as soon as possible. We just put like 30 or so in the mail this week, so they're going out on a continuous basis. Thank you for your support. We love you guys very much. All right, moving on. Dalemocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. 
So we want to continue the conversation about all of the book banning and the banning of certain topics in schools and in libraries. And Florida was in the news this past week because they passed a bill that is colloquially known as Don't Say Gay Bill. Mm -hmm. And this is essentially a bill that wants to ban educators in Florida from talking about LGBTQ topics that are not considered, quote, age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. When would that be? I mean, you're going to let Ron DeSantis decide when it's it's appropriate to talk about life. Yeah. The facts of of the matter. Mm -hmm. Well, and this kind of goes back to an email that Marcus sent us. I think it was maybe on the last episode or the one before that where he noted that a lot of the bills that we're seeing are just an effort to interfere with speech and prevent topics from being discussed because they're so vague. They don't tell you the specifics. You're not really able to understand that. And this bill is no different. Florida lawmakers introduced a controversial bill that would restrict the discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in classrooms with young students. The proposal is being slammed by LGBTQ rights activists who have dubbed it the Don't Say Gay Bill. One of the most vocal opponents of the bill is Chastin Buttigieg, a former teacher and the husband of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. He directed his criticism at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, saying bluntly, this will kill kids, adding that this legislation would make Florida a harder place for LGBTQ kids to survive in. NBC Out reporter Joe Yurkaba joins us now to break it all down for us. So, Joe, first of all, walk us through the specifics of the bill and what are the details about it that, that have so many in the LGBTQ community so upset? Sure. So the bill broadly prohibits school districts from encouraging classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels. And it gives parents the right to bring a lawsuit against a school that they think has violated the policy. So proponents of the bill say it's meant to preserve the rights of parents to be in charge of their children's upbringing. But LGBTQ advocates are really afraid of the impact it could have. You can take a look at this statement from advocacy group Equality Florida, which said this legislation is meant to stigmatize LGBTQ people, isolate LGBTQ kids, and make teachers fearful of providing a safe, inclusive classroom. The existence of LGBTQ students and parents is not a taboo topic that has to be regulated by the Florida legislature. So there's a real fear on the part of advocates about this bill. Yeah, let's talk more about some of the fears and criticism. We know Chastin Buttigieg is a big critic of the legislation. As we mentioned, he said in a tweet last week, the bill would, quote, kill kids. That was referencing a national survey from the Trevor Project that showed 42 percent of LGBTQ youth seriously considered suicide last year. What more can you tell us about the mental health concerns surrounding this bill? Yeah, well, as uh, Equality Florida said, the bill treats LGBTQ people broadly as a taboo topic that children shouldn't be informed about at all because some parents disagree with who they are. And, you know, as you noted, Chasson, speaking from his own experience growing up in Michigan, he said that kids internalize those messages and it can make them feel as if there's something wrong with them or they don't belong, which can lead to those negative mental health outcomes. Joe, we know this bill is still making its way through the state legislature. Where does it stand? Do we know what the chances are that it gets passed? and signed into law in Florida. Well, the bill passed through its first House committee last week, and it looks likely to make it through its second one this week. And um, whether or not it will make it through the Senate is still unclear, but advocates are certainly worried because if it does make it to Governor Ron DeSantis' desk, he is likely to sign it.
So I want to talk about some of these absurd comments from parents at the at the committee meeting. Uh, according to reporting from The Hill, there was one parent who is an attorney from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Brenda Farm, and she said that she knew a child who saw a film with two gay men in school and returned home, quote-unquote, traumatized because he believed he would be forced to marry another man when he grew up. Now, that seems like uh. there's a simple explanation there in terms of how a parent should respond yeah right like there's some confusion that the child has i mean if we're going to believe the story which i don't right but if we're going to believe the story then there's a simple solution there right your kid's confused you explain to him how the world works yeah that he's not going to be forced to marry a man when he grows up that's not the world we live in in high school we watched uh romeo and juliet or read it uh-huh probably both and uh, I came home and thought I was going to have to commit suicide uh, if I broke up with a girlfriend or if they wasn't allowed to date her or whatever. The, you know, the, come on. Yeah. So, so you just explain. Mm-hmm. You explain cartoons aren't real. Right. Voldemort isn't going to come for you. And that you can marry whoever you want. You can marry anybody that you love and loves you back. Yeah. And, and they were confused. They can't talk about that. So another parent said... <laughs> Get ready for this one. Uh, that using gender neutral they them pronouns would make some students believe that they're more than one person. Right. Okay. That's how it works. So again, I think maybe these are arguments for like why these issues should be discussed, right? To like yeah. help alleviate again if we're going to believe these are happening, which please. But um <laughs> the the whole point of this is to like help educate kids so that they aren't confused right, about exactly. these issues and that they don't think they're going to be forced to marry someone when they grow up. I mean, the problem here is that Ron DeSantis is among the types who who do believe that you can pray being gay away, that you can. So he probably, by extension, believes that if you just don't talk about being gay ever, mm-hmm. kids won't decide to be gay or some fucking nonsense that just doesn't line up with the science. Right. Yeah. And I I think, again, we are seeing a lot of these parents who are trying to inflict their own parenting methods onto everyone else. And listen, if if you want to try to hide the way that the world works from your kid, good luck. It's probably not going to last very long, regardless of how many books you try to ban or how many topics you try to ban from being discussed in a classroom. Which... The book banning thing right. is also a hot thing right now in Texas. They are, well, there's another municipality here in the in, in the country where the mayor is is withholding one hundred and ten thousand dollars of library funding because mm-hmm. it's against his religion is his excuse to have um, homosexual type literature in a library, mm-hmm. and the same kind of thing is going on in Texas. Yep. Iris Chang remembers the first time she saw herself in a book. It was The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. So it was really compelling to see this accurate portrayal of what my culture looks like and what I, as a person, um, represent. Iris, who identifies as queer, always loved learning about the world from her hometown of Katy, Texas, until this fall when her district started banning books. I think students of color and queer students are especially taking this hard. 
An NBC News investigation found that the Katy Independent School District is one of at least a dozen Texas districts that have removed books about race, gender, and sexual identity after a statewide surge of parent complaints. Why are we sexualizing our precious children? Record requests to nearly 100 Texas districts found that during the first four months of this school year, parents made at least 75 formal complaints compared to only one filed during the same period last year. It's about a whole array of books and it's about LGBTQ students in particular or students of color in particular. Retired librarian Carolyn Foote says she's never seen anything like this. One Katie parent even asked the district to remove a biography of Michelle Obama, arguing the book promotes reverse racism. The district denied the request. Texas Governor Greg Abbott called for criminal charges against staff who provide kids with pornographic books. Do librarians feel safe in their jobs right now? In some cases, librarians are being asked to do things that really are against their code of ethics, and that makes them fearful to speak up. One of the banned books Carolyn loves is George Johnson's memoir about their black queer childhood, which includes a brief passage about sexual abuse George experienced as a child. In January, Katie Schools declared it not appropriate for any level. They can remove our books, but they can't remove our stories. What do you make of the fact that people have used the words pornographic and vulgar? They don't want their students reading about queer people. My book is not uh, being put out there to excite students about sex. This is what boys like to do. At a November school board meeting, a Katie parent read from George's book. I don't want to spend my money on this filth. And it's in our libraries. Mary Ellen Cusella has three kids in Katie schools and helped organize moms on this issue. What we're talking about is vulgarity that is inappropriate for any child. I, I don't care what your ideology is. And your, your child is, uh, is precious and needs to be guarded. More than half of the books that Katie has removed as a result of all of this have main characters who are LGBTQ. Are people supposed to believe that's just a coincidence? Um, no, I don't think so. I think they should read the books themselves. Katie Schools declined NBC News's request for an interview. Iris, a member of her school's speech and debate team, is no stranger to speaking her mind. I honestly think that they want to keep their children in this protected bubble in which the only opinions they really hear are the ones that they themselves represent. And she feels too many adults aren't listening. Antonia Hilton, NBC News, Katy, Texas. Let's not forget that Texas, well, let's say this. So many times when people make the, 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 what's the, the Hulu show with, with uh, the, 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 the Margaret Atwood book, the Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale. Tale. Mm Mm-hmm. When they're like, oh, that's you're just being hyperbolic. You can't make that kind of a comparison. We're verging on that territory here where you're you're talking about a book, a memoir that's written. Someone describes their sexual abuse they experienced as a child, mm-hmm. and they're calling that pornography. Right. Pornography, the way I understand it, mm-hmm. is meant to titillate. It is meant to arouse someone telling about their trauma and their horrors of childhood, it says more about the people that think that is titillating and arousing than it does about the people who want to learn about the experiences of these particular people. Well, and I think people underestimate how kids can actually benefit from reading stories like that. I mean, it's like they don't understand that kids are sexually abused. Yeah. Or physically abused or verbally abused. And how do kids make sense of that? 
Well, reading and learning about stories is one way that they can make sense of that and help process that and work through it. And also know that it's not okay and they should tell someone. Sure, but... There are outlets. Yeah, but also by just knowing that other people are going through this, learning another person's perspective helps them gain perspective on their own experience. And it seems strange that parents wouldn't want their kids to learn about other experiences of other people. Also, let's not forget that Lawrence v. Texas is the Supreme Court case that made it all the way through to the Supreme Court where Texas had outlawed sodomy. Mm -hmm. And in Lawrence v. Texas, it was that was over overturned that law. It was Texas that has been a tip of the spear at oppressing the LGBTQ community in America. Mm Mm-hmm. Among other groups, women with this abortion thing. I mean, it is a it is a handsmaid's tale. Um, the beginning of it. Yeah, I just I wonder what the logic is here because for me it seems really naive. I mean, these parents want to prevent their kids from having access to these books, and I wonder: do any of their kids have access to a computer, right? An iPad, a smartphone? Are they on TikTok? Are they on Instagram? Do they know who Kim Kardashian is? Like, like right. they're going to be getting messages about sex. And that's going to happen. And those are the most tame options about sex that they're going to be getting. I mean, there's countless porn sites. Exactly. If they've got a phone, if they have a telephone, they've got instant, endless access to pornography of all kinds. Right, and unless you are on that all the time and you have safety settings turned on and and you are monitoring it at all times, there are going to be situations where kids are Googling things because they're getting curious. So you can try to ban all the books in the world. (laughs) Right, right, right. But we live in a society where there's access to technology and kids get curious and they're going to find things out. So it goes back to... Don't want to talk about Marcus again, but here we are. Hello, Marcus. (laughs) Where it's really about speech and trying to ban discussions about important topics like racism, about inclusivity, about LGBTQ issues. And again, these are just efforts to marginalize certain people. Yeah. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, it's working. They're able to win over parents. And as you see, that the numbers of reports that they referenced in that, in that uh, piece that we just played, where it was, I think, one complaint that they got last year about wanting to ban material, and it was 75 this year. Yeah. And then you're seeing, like, in Wyoming, there was a county prosecutor's office that was considering charges against library employees for having books like Sex is a Funny Word or This Book is Gay. Those are the titles of the book. And then in Oklahoma, there was a bill that was introduced in the state Senate that would prohibit public school libraries from keeping books on hand that focus on sexual activity, sexual identity, or gender identity. And then, of course, we saw in Tennessee with uh, Mouse in the Holocaust. Yeah, remember remember back in like 2015, uh, June 25th, 2015, I believe was the date that the Supreme Court uh, recognized uh, marriage equality in the United States. Mm -hmm. And here we are in 2021, and these issues are still being talked about. We thought, I, among many, thought maybe this is behind us. Maybe we are moving into a to, to a little bit more of a an age of modernity mm-hmm. relative to equality. And I, it's just not the case. I mean, we are regressing because of Republicans 
to the 1950s. I mean, we are we are regressing all across the country. Nazis are marching in Florida. Mm-hmm. Literal Nazis on the side of the road doing their Zieg Heil bullshit, wearing their fucking regalia, and being videoed. Police of the Orange County Sheriff's Office tells me that right now they're trying to determine did a crime occur here at this demonstration this weekend? Was it more than just a legal demonstration, hateful or not? They say was a crime committed when a fight broke out here. Men and women with neo-Nazi armbands, flags, and posters stood on the corner of this Waterford Lakes intersection on Saturday, shouting words of white supremacist hate. Orange County Sheriff's deputies confirm this video is part of their active and open investigation into the demonstration, and this part of the video, a fight in the street. Investigators say involved the demonstrators and a passerby. UCF Chabad Rabbi Chaim Lipsier says it was a Jewish UCF student who was punched in the video. Yes, it was, a, it was a Jewish UCF student that kind of got into a little bit of an altercation with them. They pepper sprayed him and they, they they spit on him and, you know, shoved him around and stuff like that. Also over the weekend, troopers broke up this demonstration of hate on an I-4 overpass in Orlando, telling News 6 it's illegal to obstruct traffic or hang signs on overpasses. Local leaders almost immediately condemned the hate. State Representative Anna Escamani was among the first last night, followed by the Orange County Sheriff, the Orlando Mayor, the Orlando Police Chief, State Senator Randolph Bracey, Florida Senate President Wilton Simpson today, U.S. Senator Rick Scott, and just this afternoon, Governor Ron DeSantis. We're going to take our record in Florida and what we've done, sign the strongest anti-Semitism bill in the country. We've stood, stared down companies who were indulged in BDS like Airbnb, and we've won. We've provided record funding for Jewish day schools, and we've had the strongest relationship between Florida and Israel than we ever had in terms of education, uh. business, all these tremendous things that have happened since our, since our uh, state visit in 2019. We're going to play more of his statement, but he said tremendous. And he was also using Donald Trump's hand gestures. Oh, he's a clone. Yeah. You know how they talk about him as a clone. Yeah. Yeah. It really is <laughs> remarkable. I don't know what's happening there, but there is something to that. He's he has trained himself to do the same gestures, use the same words. You heard him say tremendous, right? Yeah. He's an Ivy League educated dude. <laughs> it is. It, it's. It's a strategy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, it appears that way. So he spent most of his statement. They were very generous in this news package by selecting the few seconds that Ron DeSantis spends talking about anti-Semitism. And you hear him there virtue signaling because Republicans support Israel. Yeah, well, it's an, evangel- it's an evangelical boner is what it is. They want to hasten the end of the world and the rapture. And so they have to cozy up to Israel because that's where that's going to happen. Right. But he spends the... Biblically speaking, I mean. He spends the rest of his time attacking Democrats. So what I'm going to say is these people, uh, these Democrats who are trying to use this as some type of political issue to try to smear me as if I had something uh, to do with it, we're not playing their game. You know, some jackasses, you know, doing this on the street, first of all, state law enforcement is going to hold them accountable because they were doing stuff on the overpass. Uh, so we're, so they're absolutely going to do that, and they should do that. Uh, but I'm not going to have people 
try to smear me that belong to a political party that has elevated anti-Semites to the halls of Congress like Ilhan Omar, that have played footsie with the BDS movement, that even have people in their party that have cavorted with Farrakhan. No, we're going to take our record in Florida and what we've done signed the strongest anti-Semitism bill in the country. We've stood, stared down companies who were indulged in BDS like Airbnb and we've won. We've provided record funding for Jewish day schools and we've had the strongest relationship between Florida and Israel than we ever had in terms of education, business, all these tremendous things that have happened since our, since our uh, state visit in 2019. And so they try to play games to try to politicize. Why would they do that? Uh, why would they want to elevate a half dozen malcontents uh, and try to make this an issue for political gain? Well, because they want to distract from the failure that we've seen with Biden. And they're all joined at the hip. All these policies, they all support in Florida 100%. The inflation that these policies have caused is absolutely killing people at the gas pump and the grocery store, making everything we do in the economy more expensive. You look at the disaster on the southern border, people from like 100 different countries pouring into the country illegally, hundreds of thousands of people a month. Uh, they support those policies. Those are bad policies. You look at the crime throughout the country that's really spiraling out of control because of soft on crime policies. We're not going to let that happen in Florida, uh, but that is something that they're tied at the hip with. You look internationally how our country's been humiliated how these other problems are happening all because of the failure of leadership. And so that is what they're trying to avoid, uh, is being able to be held accountable for that. So we're not going to let them get away you know, with these stupid things where they're trying to smear somebody uh, unfairly. Um, and I will not be smeared by them. And that's just the reality. And oh, by the way, uh, Florida is probably, got it, maybe other than Israel, the number one destination uh for Orthodox Jews to move to if you look over the last two years. Yeah. God damn, he's a fucking joke. Attacking Democrats, spent most of the time attacking Democrats, spent uh, a little bit of a chunk there downplaying the number of people that were on the street. There were two separate incidents and from from my perspective, there were the overpass people and then there were people that were on a street corner in front of like a Starbucks and a Chase Bank, like mm -hmm. just at, at a shopping center. Right, right. And it, by the way, why is Orange County, California and Orange County, Florida both what's going on here? Shit shows. <laughs> well, also, he's he's claiming that Democrats, he used the phrase, they want to elevate these malcontents. He doesn't say Nazis malcontents and the democrats want to elevate them right it, get the fuck out and again here. downplaying the numbers here more than half a dozen people when you're looking at the people on the overpass the people on the corner right more than half a dozen also just downplaying the fact that we know numbers of racists and people who are involved in white power movements that those are not small numbers you can try to downplay it all you want but they're also not liberals right, okay right. a guy yeah. who's attacking democrats and attacking ilhan omar you can focus the conversation on anti-semitism 
And that's important to talk about anti-Semitism. But also this organization that was on the freeway overpass, that was on the street corner yelling at people as they passed by, yelling racial slurs, doing the Z Kyle salute. Um, according to their organization, their core beliefs include, quote, defending the rights of white European people and the promotion one one of their tenets, the mm-hmm. promotion of white racial separation. Yeah. So when Ron DeSantis goes on his little diatribe about people coming across the border, well, that's what these people want to hear. Oh yeah, he's he's singing their song. Absolutely, they want to hear you slam immigration. They want to hear you talk about the increasing crime rates. All of those things perfectly align with what these neo Nazis were standing yeah. on the street yelling about. They're not voting for uh, Ron DeSantis' opponent. They're voting for Ron DeSantis. Absolutely. The other thing he said that I found curious is that Democrats and our policies are killing people at the gas pump. Maybe choose different language when you are literally killing people with your ignoring of COVID in your state. Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. you fucking turd. Think of how much more he could have said about racism, yeah. about about white nationalism, white power movements. And instead, he chose to attack Democrats, downplay the number of people that were present, and focus his conversation on Israel. Well, again, it, it's, it's a page out of Donald Trump's playbook, enjoying the support of white supremacists while not doing anything about them. Right. Ignoring the, calling them malcontents and not actually what they are. Mm-hmm which is a danger to society. Mm -hmm. They are Nazis. Well, and I'll tell you, when I saw that video, it was pretty wild because those are the people that raised me. Those were the people in my childhood home, dressed the same way, talking the same way, demonstrating the exact same way. And so it's wild to, to see what was happening in the late 90s in my family which I, I think there was some shame about. I mean, at one point there was a swastika flag that hung in front of our house, but yeah, once my dad moved, that, that, that kind of outward display stopped and there was more shame about it. Um, to see it just happening out in the streets in Florida in front of a Starbucks. I mean, there, there were swastika flags in front of a Starbucks. Yeah, they're yelling at... Uh, I saw one of the videos where he was like, you look like a Jew. You know how I know? I mean, just... They were being insane in public. Yeah. These people have jobs, ostensibly, right? I mean, why are they not being outed and fired from their fucking jobs and not able to exist in our society? Well, and when you hear the full context, like you just illustrated, Jesse, it makes Ron DeSantis' statement there even more mind-boggling. Yeah. What is he saying? I mean, these people assaulted someone on the street, and they were yelling the most terrible things that you can say from a street corner. Yeah. And instead he's attacking Ilhan Omar. Right. Ilhan Omar. Well, Well, because she's a woman of color and a refugee. That is why. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a, we're in a not great place. And Ron DeSantis right now, just so it's clear, might be edging out Trump to be the contender to run for president in 2024. Yeah, dear Lord. He is, I mean, Donald Trump's support is kind of caving in, and DeSantis is the de facto if it's not Trump. Yeah. It seems right now. I mean, that could change, obviously. But he's 
very popular among Republicans. Well, in the banning of books and banning of certain topics in educational settings like libraries and schools really fits well with this conversation that we're having because they want to prevent children from learning history. Right. They want to erase the contributions to American history of, of, of black and brown people. Yeah. And according to reporting from the New York Times, the American Library Association said in a preliminary report that it has received an unprecedented 330 reports of book challenges, each of which can actually include multiple books. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, I'm curious about this from the audience, if there are books that they read when they were kids that were probably dealing with more adult material, but they read them when they were kids and it had a strong impact on them. Something that they remember, something that changed them, something that helped them maybe process or understand something that happened in their lives. I'd be curious to know if if anyone out there, if there's a book that comes to mind when you were a kid that dealt with maybe more adult themes that was really helpful to you. Yeah. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Well, in in um as part of our uh, the what we do here on the show, we're not just going to criticize Republicans, even though they for sure fucking deserve it. Um, Joe Biden deserves a little, a little, a little stank mm-hmm. right now. At the National Prayer Breakfast, he said some absolutely, abjectly stupid things. Yeah, he focused on the issue of unity and the importance of uniting the country. And for part of his speech, this meant focusing on how Mitch McConnell is just a great dude. And Vice President Harris, Majority Leader Schumer, Mitch McConnell. Mitch, I don't want to hurt your reputation, but we really are friends. <laughs> and, uh, and that is not a, an epiphany we're having here at the moment. We've always, you've always done exactly what you've said. You're a man of word, your word, and you're a man of honor. Thank you for being my friend. A man of honor. Joe Biden called Mitch McConnell a man of honor, an honest man who keeps his word, and a friend. What is Joe Biden's obsession with heaping obsequious praise? onto these monsters who will stop at nothing at destroying the very democracy under which we live. Well, and juxtapose it with what you just heard from Ron DeSantis, <laughs> someone who is gaining traction and popular with Republicans. Yeah. He is, right? Yeah, oh, yes. Okay, and part of that is because he's attacking Democrats. Now, I'm not saying that Joe Biden needs to become Ron DeSantis, I'm saying that Joe Biden needs to focus his efforts elsewhere on solutions for the American people. And one of the solutions for the American people is not unity. That's not a super important thing at the moment. We don't need to appreciate how Mitch McConnell has positive qualities. That's not. Well, does he? Does he? That's my thing. Does he have positive qualities? Maybe he's a good husband. Maybe he's a good grandfather. But he stole a Supreme Court seat. Right. He is an obstructionist. He led the Senate um, forcing their hands on not convicting Donald Trump in two separate impeachment trials. He's a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. 
He is, it will be his, second to only to Donald Trump, is an anti-democratic ghoul who Joe Biden, I mean, this is a, a, a Dianne Feinstein hugging uh, Lindsey Graham moment mm-hmm. for me. After the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation. Yeah, it's, this is just gross. Yeah. I, and I, also, sorry, what is it going to accomplish? Is Mitch McConnell going to soften his ways and come around and start being a, a guy who cooperates and reaches across the aisle in some bipartisanship way? No, he's not. He's not. Well, and that's the question. And I think, you know, Joe Biden may think that Mitch McConnell has positive qualities. He doesn't need to tout that in public. He doesn't need to discuss that. His focus, again, should be on solutions and what the Democrats can do to help people and what they are doing, because praising Mitch McConnell is not something that excites Democrats. And Joe Biden should really be focused on the things that excite Democrats and want to make people vote for Democrats. So we don't lose the House and the Senate come come November. Yes. And praising Mitch McConnell, again, is not the thing that is going to make people feel excited about voting for Democrats. We just need to finish these three years out and just pray to God that Joe Biden doesn't try to run again. We need to get rid of Joe Biden and move on to some younger people who understand the landscape that we're currently living in. Uh. That would be good. What do you think, though? We really would love to know. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos or regular emails to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Andy Parker. Andy Parker. Andy Parker is a newly announced Virginia congressional candidate running against Republican incumbent Bob Good, who is described in this CBS News article as a hardline conservative freshman representing Virginia's 5th district. 5th district. So anyone who lives there, Andy Parker is going to be your guy. And he released his ad. It's a really, really moving ad. And some people may know him because of his connection to his daughter, who was a reporter and who was shot and killed live on TV. I'm Andy Parker. If you've heard of me, it's probably because of what happened on August 26th, 2015. That was the day my daughter Allison and a co-worker were shot to death on live television. What I didn't realize was that horrible day was only the beginning of a years-long fight. The video of my daughter's murder started showing up on Facebook and YouTube. Her last moments were watched by strangers literally millions of times. I kept asking that the videos be removed, but the tech companies kept ignoring me. And the videos kept being uploaded over and over again. Some evil ghouls even made money selling ads around footage of my child's death. And I could not let that stand. I went on television and spoke about violent content online and the enormous power tech companies have in our lives. I felt like I was making a difference, but not nearly a big enough one. 
In America today, we've got an economy that makes tech billionaires rich enough to go to space, while young people can't afford to go to college. The tech moguls pay less federal taxes than regular working folks do, but they'll spend whatever it takes to rig the game in Washington. Meanwhile, their platforms spread lies and conspiracy theories, glorify violence, subject our kids to bullying and pornography, and tear our country apart. I'm running for Congress to make the Internet safer for kids and for families and to make the economy fairer for everyone. People ask me, why are you doing this? Politics is a cesspool. You'll get attacked. Well, that all may be true, but it's nothing compared to losing a child. You know, candidates for Congress don't usually have running mates, but I do. And my running mate will be with me every step of the way. Allison has inspired me to take a stand. I invite you to join our campaign for change. Thanks for listening. So we haven't looked closely into the race in the 5th District in Virginia to see who else is challenging Mm -hmm. uh, Bob Good. But this was a pretty moving ad. Yeah, also, I mean... Having someone who is holding themselves to a higher cause, like the loss of a child to gun violence, is, I mean, beyond the fact that anything would be better than Bob Good. This is, you know, it's 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 a, it's a moving and mm-hmm. touching story, mm-hmm. and hopefully he could get in there and actually get something done. Yeah, I mean, parents who lose their children to to anything. You know, a parent who outlives their child is someone who has some passion to mm-hmm. get some things done. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we've talked about that a lot in, in terms of the people that should be in the halls of power. And we talk a lot about people who have experienced poverty, people who have experienced just life. Yeah, yeah. And how that informs their worldview. And, and- People like Ilhan Omar, who mm-hmm. actually had some some trauma and some suffering and some struggle in her life. Mm-hmm. People like that. Yeah. And uh, Andy Parker seems like he is motivated for the the right reasons. And we will definitely be watching that race. Absolutely. We'd love to know what is on your mind about these and any other topics that are on your mind. A lot of on your mind talk for me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you can email I doubt it at dollamore.com, whether that be a regular old email or a voice memo from your smartphone. We'd love to ask you to, to help support the show. If we bring you value, you can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. You can also buy some merch at the, the, the Teespring store. The, all those links are in the show notes. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.